Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EVN Disrupt podcast. My name is Nejda Zadurian. I'm the editor of the creative tech section here at EVN Report. Our guest this week was Irina Ghazaryan, the co-founder and CEO of Dr. Yan. She joined us to talk about how her startup simplifies the process of scheduling and managing appointments for doctors and patients in Armenia. We also touched on Dr. Yan's additional initiatives, such as educating the public about specific treatment protocols and offering guidance on the recommended frequency of medical checkups. Lastly, we discussed creating venture-backed startups for the Armenian market and the potential for expanding these products to international markets in the future. Thank you for listening. Irina, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to talk to you today because I think this is going to be one of those conversations that I, again, learned the most from. I've been saying that a lot recently on the podcast, which is a good sign. But I want to start with a little bit of your background. Tell us what you studied, how you got started in this whole world. Well, I will begin that when I was, I think, somewhere around 13, I was sure that I'm, become, I'm going to become a doctor. Uh, I really love the industry. My parents, my grandparents are all doctors. So I was even visiting my dad at his work. But then suddenly I started to draw. <laughs> and I dedicated all my all my days to just drawing. And I decided to be- become an architect. Mm. And that was a great decision for me. I really enjoyed studying at university. I did my bachelor's degree in architecture. And then a few years later, after even Dr. Jan started, I did my master's degree in urban planning. And I worked as an architect for somewhere around three years. Um, I think that urban planning is one of the best things you can study because it covers so many different aspects of life, like besides just architecture. And uh, yeah, I'm not a typical, <laughs> in terms of I'm not coming from tech industry, mm-hmm. from a background. I'm an architect by background. And then um, after my son was born, I was uh, mom at home and I wanted to work and architecture is uh, really hard to do remotely because yeah. you need to do site visits all the time, etc. And I didn't want to leave him. So I started learning UI UX design. It was very easy for me because it's like a lighter version of architecture. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, it's like digital architecture. Yeah, digital yeah. architecture. Uh, but it fascinated me that uh, how big the Im- impact can be. You're designing a mobile app. It can be like somewhere around 100 screens. Mm-hmm. But like thousands of people use it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that part really captured my attention. Yeah. Yeah. Did you then uh, start working in UI UX? Yes. I immediately started freelancing. Um, I was quite lucky because I had great clients all from all over the world. It was from US, from Canada, from Israel. And I started, uh, I figured out for myself that my favorite part is thinking the product out like uh, the not just ui part but thinking the product understanding it and i was during most of the project i was quite involved in business decisions even Mm -hmm. because i was uh, i got the really deep understanding of the product and somehow my one of my biggest projects that took uh, i worked on that project for three years was in healthcare field I already had an idea of Dr. Jan, but it was just on the paper. And I got hired by a company that is based in US and they were doing pa- remote patient monitoring. And uh, I uh, I think it was, uh, it was the beginning of 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was already something about COVID, but not yet. And I had the idea of Dr. Jan and somehow I was in healthcare industry 24-7, yeah. part-time working on that project and starting Dr. Jan. 
and I was in that project for three years. So I also got a great understanding of how um, healthcare in U.S. works. Mm -hmm. So it was like a very good thinking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before getting to Dr. Yan, I want to ask you, so your background, as you said, is not typical for like a tech background. Yeah. Like, for example, I have a friend who swears that people who want to become entrepreneurs should all study physics because um, the problem solving involved in, in physics is applicable to all realms of life. And entrepreneurship fundamentally is just problem solving. Your background, like you, you mentioned, urban planning yeah. involves is very dynamic. It involves like several moving pieces. There's mm -hmm. a ton of problem solving there. And then on the UI UX side, you're not working in, in software engineering directly, maybe, but you're gaining like a really deep understanding of how a user moves through a product, mm -hmm. what uh, how the product should be designed in a way that is usable by the the, the customer or the the end user. How do you think of this from a more holistic approach of what what type of paths lead to better entrepreneurs? Well, I had an interview I think four or five years ago, and uh, the interviewer was an architect who was building a product. Yeah. And we started talking because we were in the same background. Mm -hmm. I eventually didn't get hired by them, but yeah. he said, what do you think about architecture? I said, I think it's a constant problem solving. He said, yeah, I agree, because it's like you have a drawing and then you start talking to people from very different disciplines like plumbing, uh, electro engineering, etc. And you start adapting their needs to your, uh, to your drawing. And eventually sometimes if you are not experienced enough, the final drawing maybe may look very different from your initial uh, idea and uh, you really need to understand their perspectives and so you can have something that you're eventually proud of and that's something that comes from i think from years of experience mm -hmm. so you can argue with them so you can yeah get, have your point and stand for it so i think that background really helped me because um I wouldn't say I'm more privileged to have that background because sometimes when I'm, uh, I have always always that feeling that when I'm in different conferences, I'm not tech person, I'm mm. not doctor, <laughs> but I'm <laughs> standing for a product right. that yeah connects <laughs> yeah. both. But I think it really helps me to uh, to look at the problem from different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's something that we could do a lot more with, especially in Armenia, because mm. I think in Armenia we more so in, in other places that I have experience with, we box people into their quote-unquote their profession. Yeah. It sort of doesn't let people to kind of expand and be a little bit more interdisciplinary in, mm -hmm. in that sense. Yeah, agreed. So let's get to, to Dr. Yan. Uh, tell us why you decided to, to start this company. Yeah, as I mentioned, I'm coming from a family of doctors. My father and my grandfather are very, very dedicated doctors. So I've seen them working 24-7. And most of the time when they were already at home, they were answering phone uh, and people asking, whom should I, uh, whom should I visit? I have this problem. I have, uh, I want to find a good, for example, dentist or someone. And they were just giving recommendations mm -hmm. all the time. And one evening, I remember we were talking with my dad. I was saying that I want to build something uh, on my own, not just designing it, but building a product. And at some point I really didn't, I had a good understanding of how startups work. It's I just wanted to build something on my own. And I was thinking about something that can be alternative so to Goodreads or something like that because I love books. Yes. I love Goodreads, but it wasn't enough for me. Right. And then my father said, if we could do something so doctors receive less phone calls. Mm -hmm. And I think that sentence stick to me. <laughs> and I was thinking, well, but people really need to find a doctor. And so we should give them alternative way to find a doctor besides just asking their relatives or uh, friends. And we started to work on that idea. Uh, I immediately started looking for co-founders who are more experienced and 
who can cover the tech part of mm -hmm. the product. I was very lucky to find them quite soon. I think it was like a month after the idea. And we were really synced and we are working together until now. We uh, are we have quite different approach to many things, but it really helps the product to grow. And uh, when we were planning our business plan, we couldn't imagine how big the COVID will be because at that time it wasn't even widely talked about. This uh, is early 2020? Yeah, it was, I think, January 2020. Mm. We couldn't predict the war that right. is going to start in September. So we immediately started working on a product. I think somewhere in June, we have the prototype to register doctors. And I started to go see doctors uh, in different hospitals just to register them. And in September, we were ready to launch. I even had my first interview in September. I think somewhere on September 15 or somewhere around that. And on September 26, the war began. And we had to freeze a little bit because we had at that moment somewhere around 100 registered doctors. But part of them went to COVID hospitals. Right. Part went to hospitals. Um, for soldiers for right. soldiers and we had to like freeze everything but we already hired two people and it was uh, yeah it was a, yeah. a hard time for us and 2021 was very turbulent for armenia i mean we were planning some ads some campaigns and the day we wanted to launch campaigns something was happening in the country so we were growing but very slowly and mostly due to our network um, you mean the network of doctors or yeah a network of doctors friends like telling each other because it was really hard to use social media or anything else because when you were talking about something that is not war related or covid related it was like n nobody cared about it actually right. yeah and i think in 2022 we started to grow mm -hmm. we raised an investment we won two grants and i could already see that people are starting using it on their own yeah, and this year is quite big for us mm -hmm. because uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm getting uh, email not uh, emails every Monday about the number of appointments completed last week, mm -hmm. and uh, in the beginning it was very like uh, sad emails because it could be like 15 appointments or 10 appointments, and now when I receive like 100, 200 appointments completed, I can like really see that we're yeah. growing yeah. yeah it's like 10x yeah, yeah 10x yeah, yeah. it's incredible. like something unrealistic for me right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going back to, to 2020 you said you guys already, already hired people you're mm -hmm. ready to go before yeah. the war started and everything where did the initial capital come from to to set up dr yan yeah it was our own fundings our co-founders were covering the tech part we were covering everything else during 2021 as well we were all doing it like i would say friends and family and in 2022 we had a major discussion how we, this will go because we were not profitable we had some paying doctors but uh, it didn't cover any of our costs so uh yeah we decided to try to raise an investment and it's not easy when your product is local because uh, you guys operate in the armenian market. yeah we operate in our, currently we operate only in the armenian market and um, the healthcare industry that is quite conservative, it's not that innovative in terms of, it's innovative uh, about surgeries, about like right. methods of treatment, but it's not innovative in uh, in the way doctors and patients communicate, like in the way they interact. Yeah, 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 administrative stuff. And I was lucky to uh, find investors. I actually pitched at um, Stan, Fast Foundation, Science and Technology Network, Angels Network for Armenia, and we got seven investors. 
I was very, yeah. Seven angels from the Seven network. angels, yeah. yeah. And at that exact time, we won two grants. One from uh, GIZ. Mm-hmm. Uh, we attended the uh, um, Smart Gates Hero Houses um, pre-accelerator program. Mm-hmm. And we were one of, I think, seven or eight startups that won the grant. And we also participated in um, high-tech... Um, ministries. Ministries, uh, yeah. Program that was called from... Uh, uh, from idea to business, right? Yeah, and we won that grant, so right. it g- gave us some freedom to continue operating. Fantastic. Cur- curious. Uh, I want to dive deeper into the product, but mm-hmm. since we're on the topic of, of funding, the work that you guys do makes the jobs of doctors and the healthcare industry in general much more efficient, right? Which is something that the state has event uh, like a vested interest in, mm-hmm. because if the jobs of doctors are being done more efficiently, it leads to better outcomes, and even for healthcare it's a bit strange to think of it from economic perspectives but even economically it's mm-hmm. it's better right does the government uh, locally you guys mentioned that you had one uh, high tech yep. uh, grant but specifically for for projects like this have you seen any interest from their side in participating and helping with things like funding and such because it does at the end of the day your success is much more t- directly tied to to the success of the government yeah, I had a couple of meetings with uh, representatives of Ministry of Health, Healthcare. Um, they have their own product that's called Armed, that is made for right. primary primary care, uh, and it's uh, mandatory in some hospitals in terms of getting patients, uh, uh, getting patients health records, putting that into program. But they don't do what we do in terms of private sector and mm-hmm. booking appointments, etc. We had a great couple of meetings uh, uh, I wouldn't say they are interested in putting any funding in it but they we try to collaborate because we have some common uh, missions for example we are very dedicated to uh, help patients see doctors not only when they are ill but for preventative care so we recently add the functionality in the app that is called uh, annual checkup guide mm-hmm. for annual checkups where you enter your age and gender and you can get the personalized guide mm-hmm. um, which is one of their missions as well. They are do, working very hard, especially in rural areas everywhere, so people can get their annual checkups, especially that many checkups are covered by the government. So it's just free for people to go and do their checkups, right. but they don't go. Right. Uh, it's the matter of awareness, matter of uh, it's time time consuming very much. So we try to collaborate in uh, this kind of things. But other than that, I think that... Uh, Many big hospitals in Armenia are private Mm -hmm. and doctors in that private hospitals are more or less on their own. Mm -hmm. So they do their uh, appointments by themselves. They have uh, ownership of all their schedule, etc. So and they are our primary customer. Mm -hmm. Um, The doctor. Yeah, the doctor. If the doctor succeeds in getting more patients, having more productive day, the hospitals become the winner as well. But since most of the hospitals are private, yeah, we are more into collaborating with private sector, not government. Mm -hmm. I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when approaching venture capitalists and Mm -hmm. uh, and angel networks and things like that, what kind of feedback have you guys gotten about building for the Armenian market? Is that something that they seem interested in or are they more reluctant? Mm -hmm. I would say they were enthusiastic into uh, in uh, investing in the company that is trying to solve, firstly, a real-time problem. We're not very much into the future, building something that people will need in 10 years from now, but we're at this moment solving the problem. But they were all, all also asking many questions about our expansion, about how are we going to enter new markets. And it's 
uh, it's both very um, I would say stressing to try to focus on two things like expanding in Armenia but right. also planning for expansion but it also gives you the opportunity to think outside of the box because mm-hmm. uh, we get a lot of feedback from doctors for example can you add this feature can you add this feature and sometimes evaluating if that feature is really uh, is going to be really useful in the product mm-hmm. is to imagine that for example you're in, in a different country if that's something that's very unique for Armenia maybe you should skip it for now and uh, focus on more uh, universal I would say features uh, so it's both good and bad right yeah. yeah especially I guess with healthcare there are feature sets that are very unique to specific countries healthcare systems yeah. right? so you could, yeah, constantly thinking more universally is difficult yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um Let's let's now talk about a little bit about um, let's do like a walkthrough of how how mm. someone uses the app on both sides on the doctor side and the, the mm-hmm. user side. T- tell us uh, how it works. Yeah, I will begin with doctor side. For example, I'm a doctor. I download the app. It's free to register. I add my contact details, my education, and my uh, workspa- workplaces. I can add multiple because most of the doctors work in multiple places and then I have to set up my weekly schedule once for each hospital uh, for example I'm working here from Monday to Friday from 1 to 5 and then for example a couple of hours in another place and once my profile is set uh, I'm available for patients to see me mm-hmm. uh, on the patient side um, once I'm entering the platform I can either search for a specific uh, doctor or I can browse them by their professions mm-hmm. uh, once I choose a doctor I can see doctor's information everything like education workplace etc consultation price I can see verified feedbacks from other patients mm-hmm. because only patients who have visited the doctor via our platform can leave a feedback and then I see doctor's availability sorry how do you guys verify that they visited the doctor through you yeah I will I will get to this sure, point sure. yeah now after my booking request for example I choose a date and time doctors get a notification that this patient wants to see you at this exact time doctor can either approve or decline it mm-hmm. and then it, they can also uh, um, suggest a different time for a meeting that suits for him and once it's my time and day to visit the doctor, once I'm at hospital, I should click on the button that I'm here. Mm-hmm. And doctors get a notification. Uh, if the patient doesn't click on that button, we do a follow-up call to see if he was there or no. And if he gets, doctor gets a notification, but patient is not there, doctor just closes that appointment indicating that he didn't see the patient. Yes, there is a chance to trick, for example, to... If doctor wants to gain some reviews, etc., he can, yeah, uh, do that. But I would say that more than ninety nine percent of our yeah. reviews are real. Yeah. It is, it is quite like a hassle if those if they wanted to go through that all. Yeah, right. they so, can. Yeah, yeah but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Okay, so that's uh, on the doctor side. Mm-hmm. Uh, then what about on the potential patient side? Uh. Uh, in terms of so a, as a patient I can uh, sign up and yeah. I would just see the the entire list of doctors and yeah. mm-hmm. be able to pick who I want and so yeah um, and is there like uh, or actually going back to the doctor side is there a process of like onboarding and picking the doctors that can be on the platform or is mm-hmm. it open to anybody any any registered doctor yeah so any registered doctor can sign up we are quite lucky now because if a doctor doesn't has doesn't have a license doesn't yeah he cannot uh, work in a hospital mm-hmm. because that yeah it's quite strict now so we don't check doctors documents but when onboarding nurses we do collect their uh, their uh, 
trainings for past five years, their license, etc. Yeah, so doctors can register uh, easily. Nurses have to submit some documents. And are there other specialties like dentists and yeah. things like that on the platform yeah. too? We yeah. cover all professions. We have psychologists. We have uh, general practitioners. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is there information regarding like pricing and things like that on the mm. the platform as well to yeah. compare between the doctors? Yeah, you can. Uh, if doctor submits, it's optional, but if it's most of the doctors put the consultation price, but if it's, there are some treatments or procedures, they can just skip it and saying that depends on the procedure or on service. Right. Yeah, but you can mostly see the price. Let's speak a little bit about the culture of visiting a doctor in Armenia. Um, this is something, to be honest, I, I don't know much about. So, uh, But in, in Canada, where I was raised, um, there's like a, in the U.S. even more so. There's um, there's an issue of not visiting uh, the doctor frequently enough. In the U.S., it's tied to things like cost often because everything is private. Um, there's also just like, especially for younger people, there's a sort of sense of invincibility. You know, I'm young, I I, I can't have health problems, um, but it often leads to. Um, it leads to just an overall issue with public health. It also leads to um, higher costs of like public health because the 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 longer something goes untreated, it leads to bigger problems and things like that. In Armenia, um, what is what is the current state of the f- culture around visiting uh, doctors, and how does Doctor Yan think about impacting that? Because it seems like if you guys are successful, um, you guys will be the primary way in which people make decisions on where to go and how often to go and things like that? Um, I would say that uh, one of the major problems in Armenia is that most of the medical expenses are out of pocket, like a huge number, somewhere around 60-70%. And that's one of the major reasons why people skip visiting a doctor. And uh, another thing is that there is a very low, very... um, um, Word. limited mm-hmm. amount of information about many things that can people like try to find t- to understand what's going on with their body in mm-hmm. Armenian language and we should um, consider the fact that even though there is a lot of information in Russian or in English mm. most of the people need specific information in Armenia and we work on that side as well on yes, our blog. Create content. yeah creating content yeah. for that and secondly uh, and third thing I think is that people had very bad experience many times visiting a doctor it takes a lot of time it uh, you may wait in, uh, in for hours in a queue and then they just skip follow-up visit which is a, a very big problem because many many patients just leave their diagnosis like uh, after receiving a diagnosis they leave the treatment halfway and they struggle then with that problem for ages we sometimes uh, receive uh, some calls for patient from patients and they will be like i had this issue for two years mm-hmm. and i finally started to go see a doctor so yeah there are like many issues in in terms of just going and seeing a doctor and we started from that exact point where you need some help in figuring out whom to see and uh, making sure that it won't take whole, your whole day and on the other side why these things happen is because there is a very big, uh, very tight competition in the domain for doctors. There is a huge surplus of medical specialists in Yerevan, hmm. and uh, it's, the picture is quite opposite in rural areas outside of Yerevan. 
actually. And doctors in Yerevan, many of them, take quantity over quality approach. They hmm. see a patient for somewhere around three, five minutes, and it's never enough for a patient. And it reduces the quality of treatment. It reduces the uh, patients expectations like they get uh, expectations for reality they hoped to see a doctor to tell them everything but they have like three minutes and they see that tens of people are waiting outside and they get that pressure mm-hmm. and when i'm talking about this uh, the numbers uh, show us that patients mostly like uh, there are three things that they emphasize after seeing a doctor is basically quality of treatment it's the easy communication with doctor Mm -hmm. did they eventually understood each other and was that easy to see doctor or not these are the three major things that patients value when seeing a doctor and uh, right now i would say that these three things are in a very hard condition in armenia especially the thing you said earlier with um, doctors prioritizing quantity over quality is that just like a bad incentive structure because the more people they see, the more they get paid? It is like that. But on the other side, uh, as I said, most of the doctors are concentrated in Yerevan. And they are specialists that are very have very narrow specialization. And patients from whole Armenia are coming to see that exact doctor. Mm. So whenever I'm talking to them, he says, I cannot see a patient who drove like five hours to see me. I have to do something to see him. And that's a major problem. Uh, and when I'm talking to, with them about using Doctorian platform, their major concern is like, okay, I can book appointment for patients from Yerevan, but most of the patients, they just wake up and come see me. They mm-hmm. don't even call to book an appointment. So yeah, that's a major problem. Right. So mm-hmm. it's both sides kind of. Yes. There also needs to be the yeah, culture of fully really, setting an appointment. Yeah, yeah, their doctors are under pressure. I wouldn't say that it's just, uh, they like working this, this way. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, that's good mm-hmm. to hear. Um, yeah. Well, not not that it's good that they're under pressure, but good yeah. that they that the problem isn't just just misalignment yeah. of incentives. The Pro- yeah. problem is bigger. Problem yeah. is bigger. Yeah. Does Doctor Yan operate outside of Yerevan as well? All of Armenia yeah. covers. Yeah. We have doctors outside of Armenia. Uh, oh, sorry, outside of Yerevan. Uh, right? Outside yeah. of Yerevan, yeah, uh, somewhere around I think fifty or sixty doctors. Okay. Uh, but uh, we are right now yeah, co- very much concentrated on Yerevan. And how many doctors do you have in Yerevan in your network? Uh, somewhere around 700. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And what about patients? Uh, we are close to getting to 20,000. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And that's what's a big milestone for yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> How many appointments have you guys b- booked through Dr. Yan we since starting? O- yeah. We already have somewhere around 7,000 finished appointments. And yeah, and that number has r- significantly grown during this year. We launched... Uh, yeah, regarding the cultural thing that you asked, I wanted to emphasize this part. Uh, doctors and patients are very much used to f- talk on phone. Mm-hmm. So uh, even sometimes when patients book their appointment via our p- platform, they call to our cons- call center to make sure that the appointment is booked and the doctor will see them. They don't trust the... Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. don't trust technology yet. And yeah. I've been talking a lot with doctors and many of them who are very, very like busy. They have very busy schedule they were like i cannot trust everything to technology i really need for patients who call me to get an answer so we decided to step back a little bit from being just technological platform and to offer them services that's called personal assistant Mm -hmm. where we get them a dedicated phone number that they can share between their own patients and the patients call to our call center so and we do all the bookings and all the appointments doctor is happy because he know there's a real person behind that technology who talks to their patients 
And patients, I would say that more than 50% of patients who called, once called, they, the next day their booking is from by uh, the app. And this is a little bit uh, compromising for us to have the technology, but also to offer something like very human to doctors because the doctors will be like, it's been 20 years I'm working and yeah. I'm talking to patients every day and they really need to call me. I cannot skip their calls as there is some, someone needs to, to to talk to them and it's quite expensive to hire an, someone who is going to work from like a receptionist yes yeah, something. something like a receptionist so it's much cheaper to outsource that to us right. yeah and i would say that uh quite busy doctors who use our our um, personal assistant service they have somewhere around 300 400 patients per month Oh, wow. Yeah. Unique patients. Unique patients. And uh, most, like, I wouldn't even say half of that, but somewhere around 70% of that becomes an appointment. Hmm. And that's a huge number. And imagine doctors were answering all their... Yeah. Yeah. We save somewhere around seven to eight hours monthly for doctors. We talk that much on phone for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's huge yeah. yeah it goes back to the uh, efficiency point like for example in canada when i first learned about this it was quite strange to me but then i saw it in action and you really see the value like the government heavily subsidizes the implementation of like large-scale accounting packages for example for companies like enterprise resource planning systems to the tune of like hundreds of thousands of dollars per company mm -hmm. but they know that the efficiency rate uh, increases so much for that company by implementing a system like that that the economic impact will be totally worth the investment that the government makes in, in those companies. Yeah, so, that's so smart. Yeah, yeah. so it would be great for uh, to start adapting that within Armenia as well for things like Dr. Jan, but but really just more more broadly because like often we speak about what impact does tech have in Armenia, mm -hmm. and we're often quite critical about that because most of the solutions that Armenian companies build are for the global market yeah. uh, and the, the impact isn't really felt in Armenia, some say. Mm -hmm. And that's an argument that like we could have for hours, but yeah. uh, like for, in your guys' case, it's it's fully impacting the, the Armenian market, which is, which is so nice to see. But the important point is that it's not so much like a tech sector impact, it's like a, it's an impact on a different industry, which is I think is something often people miss. Um, like the impact of tech is on on other industries, right? It's in, it's in the medical field or it's in making um, something as simple as like uh, the service industry more efficient mm -hmm. or things like that. I really welcome it and I hope we'll see more companies <laughs> follow Dr. Jan's, Jan's lead in that sense. Now you've been operating for about more than two years now, almost three years, I guess. Do you know if you guys have made a, an impact in terms of more frequency of doctor visits in Armenia? I could say that in terms of follow-up visits, yes. Patients, like, immediately after when your appointment is finished, you can just click on uh, schedule to, to schedule a follow-up meeting, which patients use a lot. Because, you know, once you see that your appointment took, like, 20 minutes, you know that it's not, like... You can clearly see him in a month to check your results or something like that. So in terms of follow-up visits, yes. Mm -hmm. We also have a feature to add family members, and we can see that patients book appointments for their grandparents or if they are children. Right. So, yeah, I think that that has an impact as well. Uh, the retention rate for us is a little bit hard to calculate because you may have problem once a year, or you can have, like, a treatment for 10 days, so you will schedule 10 uh, like appointments for 10 days but then you can like see, not see a doctor for a year so it's a little bit hard and tricky for us to calculate how often they they use the platform right. but i can see that uh, once the patient has been onboarded they mostly use the platform again yeah, yeah. again right mm -hmm. 
Um, how big is your team now in Armenia? Um, so, as I mentioned, the tech the tech sector is uh, our co-founders have an IT company. Uh, it's called Narration Solutions, and they are the whole tech team is at their office. We have recently moved to our office. We have been working remotely for almost two years, and in July we moved to office. Our team is right now seven people, mm. including me. Including you. Yeah. And then you, the call center side is separate. No, it's. Within that seven. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. we all work together. Yeah. Okay. So you're like on the phone a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just need to get out sometimes over the room because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Our office is not that big yet, but I think uh, our call center will expand this year. So, yeah, mm. we'll see how it goes. Nice. Yeah. Thinking about like the expansion of the, the product, are you guys already in the process of scouting new, new markets to enter mm-hmm. with Dr. Yan? Yeah, we are now in the phase of market research and we try to understand which route is the best to enter a new market. Is, it, will it be like white labeling? Will it be like hmm. franchising or just doing the same as we do in Armenia? Uh, there are similar markets that have the same, co- more or less same problems, same approaches, same culture, but we are trying to yeah understand uh, right. Yeah. By country, country yeah. by country, yeah. The white labeling is an interesting way that I, I hadn't thought about yet in this conversation. Is it something that you guys think, for those who don't know, white labeling would mean that the software and everything you've prepared, you yeah. would uh, essentially sell to someone that would operate it in, um, or license it to someone that would operate it in another market country? We mostly think about hospitals or, oh, okay. yeah. So, so the hospital would have their own um, yeah platform. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Our platform is very well done. I'm really proud of the, the technology, how it looks, how it works. Mm-hmm. So I think it can be very useful for different organizations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah to Sounds use. viable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in in larger markets like the mm-hmm. U.S. and Western Europe and stuff, yeah. do you find that solutions like this already exist and there isn't mm-hmm. as much room for for new entrants, or do you f- see room for disruption there as well? Um, in Europe, uh, there is a huge platform that is called Doctor Lip that does quite same as we do and it's the biggest in i think um, yeah it's the biggest in europe definitely in the world i i, I will think about it because indian startups okay, yeah, yeah killing numbers <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah so yeah. dr lib is uh, based in france but they uh, are already i think in germany in italy etc and uh, they operate very well they are a mm-hmm. huge company they raised a lot of money and i think all the doctors in france use dr lib so hmm. it's like uh, a nationwide platform. Right. In US, the picture is a little bit different. For example, it there is a platform that I really love that is very similar. It's called ZocDoc. Uh, right. yeah. yeah, and they were I think based in U- in New York. Um, I wouldn't say they are uh, performing as well as Doctor Lip. Uh, I'm always looking at uh, their how everything goes, and uh, but they are really good in hmm. terms of their. Um, Visual part is amazing. Uh, their uh, functionality, everything is cool. But in US, I think the insurance companies have their own platforms. Uh, that part is very well covered by insurance companies. And they're usually tied to like a hospital network. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in India, there uh, I was in India in February. Uh, and The high tech trip? Started, seaside Startup Summit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And I was talking to someone from India and I said, he said, why aren't you entering India? I'm like, you know, there is Procto in India that has 1 million doctors registered and 300 million patients. So I'm like, they are huge. Yeah. 
And he's like, what about the other one million people? <laughs> one billion. <laughs> yeah. He was yeah. like, that, these yeah. are small numbers. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> Different scale. <laughs> yeah. One million doctors. Yeah. I cannot imagine how yeah. you should even <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> work with them. How big your team should be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah seriously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it makes me stressed just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Irina, thank you so much for, for, for what you do. I think there are problems that are, that are universal and, and often people think of it from a perspective of you have to go for the, the largest markets first, but um, this is a problem that every country faces. And if it, it makes a, an impact on Armenia, that's a fantastic thing. And then that impact can and should be exported uh, outside of the country. Our last question, where do you hope to see Dr. Yan in, in five to 10 years? In five to 10 years, I really hope that we have the, we had succeeded in Armenia. So we covered most of the territory of Armenia. Patients are happy to use us. Doctors love using Dr. Jan. And I hope we entered at least somewhere around five to six countries where we are fully operating as well. And maybe we can, uh, our platform is uh, working so well that we can sell it as a white label, as I mentioned. Yeah. Wish you a lot of luck with that. And I hope you'll come back again and, and tell us how that, how that goes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Irina. Yeah.